Welcome to another Venue Podcast. My name is Josh. This is podcast number 52. I'm your host, and I have a couple of other co-hosts here with me today. Brian, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, Josh. Thank you for asking. Will? I'm doing good. And we also have Phil with us. Hey, Josh, I'm doing great on this 78-degree day with thunderstorms outside. I, I thought it was just cloudy. Yeah, well, my Apple Watch says thunderstorms. Oh, and, you yeah. know, Will, okay. Will says that it's infallible. It's not, it's not raining. Okay, not. great. Let's pretend that it is well, for, for the listeners. So it is raining news, though, today. <laughs> oh. We've got we've got a lot of the, the forecast calls for news thunderstorms. <laughs> and uh, we're going to start it off with uh, Google. Um, their self-driving car crashed into a bus. What does that mean for self-driving cars? Um well, you know, so they are not infallible. What are the let's, details? Let's define, let's define crash first of all. This crash was very slow. I mean, like two to five miles an hour, basically. Oh, right. so it really wasn't a like crash. It was, it was more a, like a bump. Yeah. Who was who was on the bus? Was it like a bus full of puppies? Bus full of nuns? Both, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so they were the, holding the cars. The yeah. The car basically was trying to turn, and there was like some sandbags or some cones in the road, so it didn't. So it kind of got confused, and it went back into the other lane, and it thought that this bus was going to let it in, but it didn't. So instead, it just went into the bus. And the thing is, there was a driver in the car, and both the driver and the car thought that the bus was going to let them in. So Um. the driver didn't take over either. Mm. So kind of a failure in two different parts. But the good news is nobody was hurt, and it was a very slow yeah, wreck crash. So it was it was a wreck with the um, the Lexus was the I guess the the driver of the car. No, that was the Google car. That was, was the was Google. Car. Okay, okay. Yeah. So okay, so Lexus smacked into the side of a bus at low speed, damaging its front fender wheel and sensor in the yeah. process. Google has like the little like play school looking driverless cars with like no with no steering wheel and stuff in, it. and they also have like Lexuses with all the stuff on the outside. And it was one of the Lexuses that this happened with. So I believe this is the first wreck that like, they've been in fault. that's actually been their fault so yep. so google says it's part of life it says here in the article it says uh google said that this is basically part of normal part of driving where there's mutual blame yeah which it, I, I i could see this you know yeah i think one of their responses was that they're going to kind of tweak the the algorithm to where it it's kind of more cautious around larger moving op vehicles because i, I guess they want to say that buses don't stop as often as like a car would. Yeah, yeah. So, so the question is: is really is you know is this bad publicity for the automated driver? Is this something we're all going to be like? Okay, no one was hurt. Number one, um, I don't think this is going to derail any of Google's plans for smart driving cars for automated cars. Um, so this is a little fender bender, right? But. What happens when we do have a massive crash? I mean, we, not that I'm hoping we're going to have any of these, obviously, but I mean, do you think are we ever going to get to a point where people are going to go, nope, we don't want these things on the road anymore; they're they're they're, they're dangerous? We'd have to look at at stats, and I don't know what these stats are. Like mm-hmm. how many how many driverless cars are on the are on the road, and how many have been in a wreck, which an at fault wreck, which we know that's one, but I don't know how many driverless cars are on the road, and for how many hours, as compared to say regular cars. And yeah. then compare those proportionately and see which one has the higher amount of wrecks. And I, I feel like the obvious answer here is people mm-hmm. cause more wrecks, but I don't have any numbers to back that up, so that's just my guess. Well, the other thing is also, remember now, I think 
automated driving cars will happen at larger cities or cities where you're not doing hopping on the interstate and you know hitting another car at like 60 miles an hour. So this this wreck here was a low speed wreck. So usually, typically, I would think low speed wrecks have a less fatal a lower fatality rate. So I'm thinking, you know, we're going to start off with there in big metro areas, maybe uh, smaller metro metro areas, but you're still driving, you know, less than 40 miles per hour, which is still dangerous, by the way. But I'm saying slower pace, you know, maybe city centers, you'll have these cars driving around. Um, then eventually growing into, hey, I'm going to go from, you know, Baton Rouge to New Orleans and hop on the interstate and let a car drive me at a high speed. You know, I that maybe is more of an advanced. Or in, I think that that's actually easier for the for the algorithm is to drive on a highway because it's straight, it's fast, and there's like no stoplights or stop yeah, signs or anything. Pedestrians no pedestrians. Or, no pedestrians, yeah. but if you do have a problem, you're going at a much faster rate where the impact of whatever problem that could arise would be could be fat, uh, fatal. You know, where if you're yeah. getting in a fender bender, you know, maybe not so much. I mean, this is really only going to be a problem for the, the middle section here, you know, when there's still human drivers and autonomous drivers at the same time. Uh, I think at some point it'll, you know, kind of get to a point where we won't have any human drivers as much, you know, where they'll be the the, the minority. Um, and I think when we get to that point, things will be even much safer. So, Yeah, I think until we all go completely driverless where the drivers you, know, you just hop in your car you're still going to have those people who drive like maniacs and even if you do have a lot of people using autonomous vehicles you're going to have people running into them just because they're crazy what do you think josh i think um <clears throat> i agree with you guys that uh, once we actually have uh, a majority of driverless cars we're going to see accidents go way down but i think that's going to be the big issue there is going to be whether it's going to whether we as a society will allow it to get to that point. You know, if we see driverless cars, quote unquote, causing an enormous amount of accidents, even if people also are, you know, even if it's about the same, there's perhaps a, um, perhaps a, a thought process there that the majority would just say, no, I'd prefer to, to drive, you know, drive myself. Awesome. Hey Josh. Thanks. Hey Josh. We need one of your speaking, segues. Speaking of cars, uh... speaking of cars, electric cars um, are saying that they're going to be cheaper to own than conventional cars by the year twenty twenty two, which isn't far. I mean, that's that's very right around very the car. Yeah. This was an article from the Guardian that um, that said, yeah, by twenty twenty two, average price of a car will be cheaper electric than gas. Now that's I'm sure that's that's in a certain class, right? You're not going to go, oh, I can buy a Ferrari for you know electric Ferrari for cheaper than a, <laughs> uh, a gas Ferrari. But I think for your normal commuter vehicle, um, sedans, things like this, and I think we'll start to see the first taste of this, you know, later this month, maybe next month, whenever they announce the uh, the Model Three. Yeah, uh, I, I still think it's going to be you know fairly high. It's going to probably be around the same price as a, a high end sedan, and probably be the specs of a low end sedan. But I think you know we'll see the first taste of where those prices will be. 
how much is it? I mean, a Nissan Leaf is an all electric car, and that's... yeah, well, it's like eight. I think it's like eighteen thousand. I mean, they're they're pretty cheap, but they the range on them is very very short. Yeah. I think it's got like a thirty mile range. Mm. Yeah, so really, that's it's that low. That's not, yeah, good. and so I mean, this is being driven by lithium ion pricing. Is that what I'm seeing here? Yeah, the the price of the batteries is just kind of plummeting, and and once they start getting these gigapower factories out, uh, they're you know that's obviously just going to keep dropping. So the cheapest Nissan Leaf starts at twenty nine thousand and it has an eighty four mile range. So that's that's not that's terms. really still not, that's no. still that's, that's really not, not that great. Even, I even yeah. think two hundred mile mile range is not that good. I mean, I agree. You know, ninety percent of my driving would be fine by 200, 200 mile range. But what happens if I need to go to say Houston or you know I could probably make two hundred miles to go to from Baton Rouge to New Orleans and back, depending on how much I drive when I'm in New Orleans. But if I'm taking a far and where you park. And where you I park. park in a charging spot. Right. So, you know, the question is, is um, when will it be to where? When will the infrastructure catch up? And not just infrastructure. I, the ba- the main thing that's holding me back from, like, wanting an electric car is the battery technology. It's not just the range. It's the degradation of lithium-ion batteries. I mean, I use enough Very laptops true. and yeah. enough phones to know that those batteries just they they don't hold up when you when you use them every day drain recharge drain recharge it really really decreases the um the battery life and so that 84 mile range in that leaf after you use it for a year i mean that might be 70 miles or and is there a, i mean they've got to have some kind of warranty on that See, where you start having really, really they replace the batteries you know after a certain amount of but, plus all these all these machine all these uh cars should have like a phone home capability that says Hey, I'm getting like I think Tesla does, right? Doesn't Tesla have a ability to like send out diagnostic data about battery health and things like this? Uh, maybe to the app that you control, but I don't think it phones home. Okay, I thought they did phone home, like uh, to, and some of the diagnostic data was automatically uploaded to Tesla. I could be wrong. So I don't think a battery warranty would cover the battery degradation because that's normal wear. It's and normal tear. wear, mm-hmm. just like a laptop. If if you bring a laptop to Apple, that's three years old and, and you know it's at 85 percent of capacity they're not going to replace it because it's normal wear and tear so what is that going to work like on a car if my car if i have to replace my car battery after three years and it costs ten thousand dollars to replace that's going to suck yep exactly wow well mm-hmm. on that note so any of you guys ordering the tesla i thought about looking at how much i think you can pre-order and you put like so much down so they're only going to be offering pre-orders on April first to the people that actually go to the unveiling. If you don't uh, go to the unveiling, you can't pre-order. Where's the April unveiling? 1st. Uh, probably somewhere in the Bay Area, if I had to guess. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna go, Will? <clears throat> no, um, I'm not going. It, it is something that I am looking at pretty closely, and we'll keep monitoring, uh, mainly just because of the the tax credits on it at the moment. Uh, and I'm thinking those might disappear Next at some year? point soon. So Probably. I'm I'm hoping to, you know, if it if it is what I'm looking for, to to maybe grab it before those disappear. Yeah. I want a new car sometime in the next year or two, but I don't want an electric car. So why are you looking to not go into the electric route? I feel like you don't get as much besides what I mentioned earlier about the you know the degradation of the batteries. I feel like you probably it. The price isn't low enough. You don't get as much as you get for a gasoline car. So, hmm. and also because I, I want the the range. If I want to drive three hours away, I don't want to have to worry about stopping and, and planning out my route very carefully to find charging locations. So, I, I can see how in a single car household, having only an electric car with with a uh, a range that is prohibitive could be a problem. 
Um, having two vehicles really resolves that problem, though. You know, if you're able to have, if you have two people in the home or something who both need vehicles, then, I mean, it's it's kind of a no-brainer at that point as far as the savings, in my opinion. Yep. See, if if there were more extended-range electric vehicles like the the Chevy Volt or the the Cadillac ELR and are there any other ones besides those? Those are the only so two. Those are those question. are very compelling to me. But I mean, like the ELR is probably going to be discontinued soon, so, and the Volt. I mean, I want. I feel like I want something a little bit nicer, classier. So yeah. let me ask a, a really provocative question here. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> are we buying an electric car because it's going to save the planet? Because we're trying to be all green and stuff. Are we buying an electric car because it's cheaper, or are we buying an electric car because it's just cool and we have cars like the Tesla and these new gadget gadget cars, basically, that are this new technology and something new? Because we're all in techno- technology. We always like seeing the new the new cool stuff. It's a People that I've talked to who are actually financial guys and, and car people, they're like, you're really not saving any money doing uh, electric. In fact, it probably costs you more. You're, you're spending more, and you have less flexibility. And you're going to have to replace the batteries. So why do we do electric cars? For me, I want the Tesla. It's cool, uh, and that's the honest answer. I mean, and that's why I look at when I look at things like the Prius or any other electric car. It's really because it's a novelty. It's like, ooh, this is really cool. It's good that I don't have to pay, you know, I don't have to go fill it up at the gas station. But honestly, it's I'm paying for I'm paying for it up front and at the end of the car when I have to go replace batteries and or maybe the whole entire car. So the one cool thing I guess that about electric cars is that, well, in comparison to a gasoline car would be that you have 100% of the power in one gear. Mm-hmm. So you you go in one gear from from nothing to fast. Yeah. I mean without And now I mean for anybody that drives an automatic car and doesn't really care about driving a manual or whatever that's that's what they're used to. I right. guess kind of but but if you're like a, a car person or a gearhead, you know, that Well even sucks. even if you're in one car an electric car does it do you, do you ever you don't ever feel it change gears though, right? I don't think you do. I don't think that's how electric motors work. I think right. it, I think it's all the power. It's like driving gear. a go kart or something. It just it, goes and well, goes faster. Well, no, go karts no, are still even gas. Hmm? Go karts are still gas. Let's say if you have an electric go kart. I don't know. Not if, a go kart. I, I mean like like a golf cart. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. I, okay, I don't yes. think so. Yeah. It's like a very powerful golf course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tesla Model S, like a very powerful golf cart. Yeah, talking about cars, we should um, quote that. This is this is completely this, yeah. off the side, but um, in Baton Rouge, this past Sunday, I was going to walk around the LSU Lakes. On my drive to the lakes, a McLaren passed me, a black McLaren. Are you fanboyed? I'm just saying. And then <laughs> maybe 30 minutes later, when I was walking around the lakes, there was like a Lamborghini parked in this driveway. Hmm. Yeah. To, to our listeners, we don't see a whole lot of really, really nice. We cars don't see a lot here. of many, many. Uh, the the yeah. McLaren, the, the Lamborghini. I've seen, I've seen Lamborghinis in town before. It's the first time I've seen a McLaren. Yeah, mm. I see a Maseratis every once in a while. With there's, that, little, there's like low. four or five Maseratis. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine's uh, one of our one of my friends, mutual friends, has a Maserati, and it, it's a cool car. I mean, I've, it's really nice. But yeah. Anyway, well, cool cars are great, but you know what's even better? Voice operated command centers. Like the Amazon Echo. Right, guys? <laughs> right, Josh. Come on. <laughs> um, so Amazon, uh, was it last week, uh, announced two new Echoes? The Right? Or, are they yep. part of the Echo family? They are part of the Echo the, family, yeah. The Tap and the Dot. 
And the dot looks like a little tiny hockey puck. So it literally looks like they took the normal Echo mm -hmm. and they chopped off the entire speaker. Yep. And that's it. Like that's all they did. So what is this? What is the dot for? What? Wow. So you can hook it up to your own speakers. So let's say you have a speaker system. You can hook it up to that. It also has a very small speaker built in. Mm -hmm. um, so they say you can actually use it on your bedside table, kind of as an alarm, or to use, you know, to do your news briefings or anything like that um, from bed. Now, I don't know. I, well, I, I bought one. I, I know. Which one did you so, buy? I bought the dot, and the only reason you can, the only way you can buy the dot, and I think the other product, <clears throat> is to actually go to an Alexa, or uh, go to a an Echo, and say Alexa order Echo dot or Echo. The other one can be bought on the site. Oh, can it? Okay. Yeah. The yeah. reason I want this is because in my house I have the Echo in the kitchen, but a lot of times we want to use it in our master bedroom or we have something in my son's room and a lot of times he goes in the kitchen just to use Alexa, which is strange, but that's what we do. With these, you can have, think of it as kind of a remote mic, so you can now start putting these around your house and then anywhere in the house you can address the Amazon Echo. So this one is That's still the, voice activated, right? It's still and voice the activated. The other one is a button, um, right? The other one is more like a speaker. The other one, yeah, is the other What's one is kind of like a speaker. It's, it's. I don't know if you've ever seen the UE Boom. Uh, it's no. it's a portable Bluetooth speaker. What's That's the device great. called? Um, the Tap. Yeah. Yeah. And this so, is this is meant to be portable. Correct. It right? is strictly meant to be portable. You know, and it's hmm. more expensive. Um, and it's meant to be able to carry around. I, I'm not sure when I would use an Amazon Echo out and about. Over um, your phone. However, however, it is cheaper than the other uh, Bluetooth you know, speaker systems like this. So if the sound quality is on par, it's cheaper and you get voice. So it does use so it's got to be internet connected so it probably connects it pairs yeah. to your phone. Yeah, so this is I mean this is for like rooftop parties and beach parties right. and I got you. Yeah. So like I have a UE Boom for example that I use like I leave it in the bathroom for when I shower and things like that and, and you know um or for your beach parties. Yeah, I mean yeah. we'll bring it outside right. in the backyard or whatever if we're having, you know, barbecue or whatever, we'll just leave mm -hmm. it out there. Have it play music. I mean they get loud, so Huh. Yeah, I see this as a good device. It's it's battery operated, so you take it around, you know, like a mobile device. It does now. How does it do this? Does it does it have so it it has Alexa like capabilities standalone? Has to be connected to Wi-Fi or mobile hotspot. Okay, so it so it doesn't do Alexa over any type of Bluetooth connection. It's got to be you could you could join it to your phone's hotspot. Sure. And it does Alexa like stuff. Or it has to be in a Wi-Fi area. Right. Okay. So that, that's that's kind of cool. I mean, um, it also has Bluetooth. If you wanted to do, like, Bluetooth streaming of the music, you can. Right. So the dot is basically everything that the normal Echo is except for the nice speaker. Except right? for the speaker. Right. That's interesting because I wanted I wanted a, I want an Amazon Echo, but I don't want to spend that much money on one. So, so yeah, you have is, to have this a, is appealing. You have to have an Echo to use this, though. Well, you do. no, no, you do not. You have to have an Echo to buy it. You have to have an Echo to buy it, but there are workarounds to purchasing it without an Echo. Hmm. hmm. Doing it through the app, maybe? No, that you can. You could find the actual URL. <laughs> uh, they've actually already found it, so you can actually go and buy it through a browser, just like you would buy anything else. Huh. So you don't have to actually pair this with with a. So it's basically a standalone. It is a Echo for all. 
intents and purposes, it is a standalone echo. Except so for it is to music, right? It is, yeah. Well, it has an input though, so it you will, can plug it into speakers. Yeah, right. It's got a or what a three out. point a one point it's a three and a half one eighth, millimeter one eighth inch. Yep. Which, eh, okay. It's a normal speaker. I wonder if this is going no, to listen to you as well as the big one does. It, it does. It, it has the exact it's got same the near field communication. Okay. It has the exact same right. microphones. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's identical to the other device without the speaker. It has all the same microphones. The entire top of it is the exact same device. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I like this. Can you order more than one? Because I ordered only a ordered... A limit of two per household. Okay. So I guess you have to do two two separate orders because I did it, and it. Now, the other thing is is I won't be getting it till May because May 3rd is the delivery date. Ooh. Yeah. What are you, you going to do until then? Use Shout. Use normal Echo? Shout. Hmm? You just use your normal Echo. Or use your I'm Apple gonna Watch. I'm going to talk really loud. His Apple Watch or his Apple TV or his Echo. Well... Well, well, his wife's Apple Watch or his phone oh. or his wife's phone. Mm-hmm. When you Probably do, his kid's phone. When you do actually receive this, it'd be great if you could give us your thoughts in May. Mm-hmm. I don't well, think I'll I'm have sure a problem. He will. I don't <laughs> think I'll have a problem giving you my thoughts. <laughs> we'll, we'll put a pin in that. I yeah. would be. I would be yeah. happy to. Great. I, like I said, I, this, this, this. Look, for me, this is just getting another step to the whole connected home, where I can go. I can walk through my house at any time and say, you know, whatever, Jarvis, play something. You know, or whatever. It's just that that connectivity where the house is listening to me, whatever room I go to. Yeah. So I guess if I want to talk to some, talk, make have a private conversation, I got to go in like somewhere where there's no microphone at all and just. Mm-hmm. You have to have a big uh, brothers listening. You, you have to f- have a Faraday room. Somewhere I need a Faraday house. room. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have no connectivity. <laughs> all right. So uh, we did not receive any emails. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, surely wah, we just. Wah. So our topic. Is actually going to be on email. Wow, huh? this is this is so we can tell you how to use it exactly. Um, so we want to give we want to give our listeners more email alternatives, so that they can better email us at podcast at venue dot com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's v e n y u. Thank you. Dot com. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Mm-hmm. So You're emails. Um, let's kick this off with uh, my favorite email. Uh, platform that I like to use, and that's Google Inbox. So I, I love Google. Inbox. So we're talking. So we're going. I guess we're going to have two topics. Kind of in this email topic is clients that you use to connect to email and use right. whatever, and Tr- then also traditional email, yeah. traditional email, and then also alternatives to actually sending an email to somebody, right. whether it's collaboration or. And where you're not hitting a two button typing, someone's ad address and hitting send. And spoiler, Phil. Gave us a really cool idea for that too, which we'll we'll get to here in a second. Mm. Yeah, mm. but inbox Google inbox that is my favorite email platform because it easily organizes email with one click. I can get rid of all of my promo emails that I don't really care about right now, and I don't even have to look at them. Snoozing is probably yep. the biggest thing to come to email ever. Yeah. I, I, love- I will. I will agree with that. And my favorite email client for a very long time was Mailbox, mm. the Mailbox app for iOS. Now, this Rest is an iOS-only app, which is now deceased. Who bought them? Uh, Dropbox owns Mailbox. Well, I guess they still own them technically, yeah, but, they, but they, they sunset it a couple months ago. Off. I really did like Mailbox. It was a great application. I was really hoping. Did they have – and I think they had one for the uh, client for the Mac. Yeah, so they, so they released one – 
a beta one. I don't know that it was ever actually brought to a one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I really did like it. But what I switched to now is uh, Airmail, which they've got a they've got a client for iOS, Android, OS ten. I think there's one for um. I think there's one for uh, for the PC as well. But the reason why I like the reason why I like uh, Airmail is because I can do snoozing. So. Yeah. So how how does how does Airmail or I think Spark also does um, the snoozing, uh, the snoozing, scheduling. Well, I think a scheduling. lot of them do snoozing now. Yeah, it's it's kind of becoming the norm, which I actually appreciate because yeah. it's. Can, you mind explaining to the listeners what exactly snoozing is? Yeah. So snoozing is basically an email comes in. It's it's important, but it's not important right now. Um, you can push a button to to snooze it, and what that does, it'll let you pick a date. It'll let you pick you know when do you want to see this again. Um, you can pick, you know, whatever date you want. You can say, remind me again tonight. You can say, remind me sometime in the future. And it'll randomly put it like six months from now. Um, I mean, your options are are, uh, endless. You know, you can do whatever you want with that email. Yeah. Well, I like it because I like Airmail because of the the integration with other products, other third-party tools, Evernote, Dropbox, and so so on and so forth. And so far, I'm, I'm... I know you had some friends that didn't like it. So, well, or, or, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with Airmail, so you said it has integration with with Evernote and things like that. So, what integration does it actually have between these services? So, like, if I have an email, I can actually swipe and I can say I want to send this email to an Evernote note, and it puts it in a note in Evernote. Like, I can have a mail uh, notebook, and then it'll just pop over to to that. Um, same thing with like create PDF. I can share. I can put. I can add this to a calendar. So if if I, someone sends me an email, for say an invite to a wine and cheese night, which happened recently, you can swipe and say send a calendar, and it it scrubs the date and everything and puts it in the um in the invite. So it'll automatically add it to your calendar and everything for you. It won't automatically add it. I have to say send the calendar. I got you. And then it'll take it and you know do it like that. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, and it puts the right date, time, the whole you know, the whole thing in there. I, again, it was it's as close to mailbox app as can be. So the snooze, and I like the way it with right and left swipe. Now, don't get me wrong. I also we also like. I think you use and, and I use as well is Microsoft Outlook for iOS yes. and and for the PC and the Mac and Android and That's Android. I and I think I like you were saying a lot of these um, apps now do snoozing and things. Mm-hmm. The first time I played with snoozing email was with Mailbox and that's why I fell in love with it because I was like I don't want to look in, I don't want to look at this for this weekend, this you know on the weekend and then it frees up my it gets to that inbox zero and then the emails become relevant when I tell them show me this again. So it's I just one of those things. Yeah, I actually use uh snoozing for my bills. So I'll have them you know snooze yeah. my bills until when they're due and then you know, the day all my bills are due, you know, after a paycheck or whatever, I'll get, you know, 10 emails <laughs> yeah. back. It's like, oh, I guess I should pay these today. So do you guys actually have empty inboxes? I do. Like you delete I all I do inbox zero mm-hmm. at all times. So yeah. I, I don't actually delete wow. anything. I archive everything. Um, so if I ever need to go and search for any mail at all, I just can do a search for a title or whoever it came from. Or Is something. there a limit on that in, in Google? So inbox? there's there's a five gig cap. Okay. Um, that's shared between a couple services. Okay. Um, 
but I mean, five gigs of email is well. I started deleting. I started deleting all the ones that come up promo, right? Because it, in inbox, it actually it actually segments your mail by updates, mm-hmm. promo, different different categories, and you can go in and edit those. So what I've actually done is I've actually unsubscribed from everything. Nice. Yeah, so any, any kind of mailers or anything like that, I'm I'm done. I don't right. I don't deal with anything that sends me mail unless I want it to. Yeah. Um, so I, I've done a lot of trimming and and uh, pruning of junk mail. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about inbox, which I think they're working on, is I like the idea of a unified inbox where I can have I can have multiple email addresses that go to y'all you know, are all thumbing down me, yes. and I'm like I don't see why this is yes. such a big deal. <laughs> I want to. I have multiple email addresses that I that I've subscribed to, right? So do I. That are mine, but I want to see them in one. I want to open one list, and I got all of them. What's wrong with that option, though? I mean, I mean I don't, this I don't just this option, just Brian's but... weird way of saying he, you know, <laughs> no, he's trying to take up for inbox. I don't but... necessarily want that. What Will's saying, but I don't see anything wrong with that, that option being available. That yeah, feature, right? I don't see anything wrong with the feature. I I personally am just I hate having all of my mail from all of the different email providers in one list because then I don't know. Who I'm responding to from where. Yeah, but then what you do is you look at your to, from, and where so, I'm sending from. It's very simple. So who actually reads I, 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 email? I can show Come you on. how to do this. Can we agree that anybody on Gmail should at up, least try Inbox? Up, up, if you're only yeah. using Gmail, then yes, definitely yes, use Inbox. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Am I the only person who uses an iCloud.com account? Probably so. Yes. Yes. Yep. Damn it. No one uses those anymore. So mm-hmm. moving on to a, a, a different email service, Proton Mail. Is that how we say it? Mm-hmm. Or is it? Proton Mail? No, it's it's Proton Mail. It's Proton Mail. Yeah, Proton Mail um, is an encrypted email, uh, free. It is, and it's supposedly secure, based in Switzerland. Why is this secure and different? Why would why would somebody want to use this email? You know, as opposed to an airmail. Well, if you're Edward Snowden. Well, this is not only a client. This is a this is client and backend. Mail right. encryption. Right. So this is, you know, right now you're using Gmail. Proton mm-hmm. Mail is like Gmail but encrypted. So it's if you are looking for encryption, if you're looking for extra security, this is, you know, one of the places you could go to get that. Now at the moment it is invite, I mean not invite only, but it is they they kind of take a while to invite people. Um <laughs> uh just because they're still, you know, ramping up. It's still in the early stages, but they uh, so basically you log in with your username and password, and then you have to give a second password to decrypt your mailbox. So they host everything; they can't actually see any of your mail because they don't have the encryption password. Wow! So while they have you know your normal credentials, they don't have your encryption password. So it works kind of like encrypted backups would something like that. So for hmm. those people who are very interested in privacy, mm-hmm. security, that's where this comes in. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, so, any, I guess if you live in a place where your kind of speech is limited, that could be helpful there. Yeah. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, countries out there where you yeah. can't really say things that you want yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. I signed up for it, and I haven't got a response yet that I'm getting my account. So they haven't offered it to me yet, and I just went and saw. Did you? Did yours come in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have one. Really? I have an account. Yeah. You need to tell them that you're W seller. Damn it. Yeah. I know. That's not going to get me anywhere. So um, so that's an all, uh, uh, an interesting alternative, and, and we're going to move into email alternatives, right? Email 2.0. Sort of collaboration tools. And, and one of the ones that have has been hitting me hard for from an advertising perspective is Slack. Um, 
I see a ton of stuff on there. I actually downloaded the app per you guys were actually into it for a bit. Um, and I messed around. It seemed like just sort of a chat interface with mm-hmm. um, some extra features. Why Why does this kill email? I don't know that it kills email. I think that a lot of companies are moving to this instead of corporate email. Mm. So while it doesn't kill email as a whole, I could see how it would be more beneficial in a corporate environment than, say, an email. Right. Right. So I could send you an email. Well, you may not see that email, but I could send you a message, and you'd probably see that. Right. Well, you're sending him a message directly. So I will say this. In terms of email, I think people are sending less and less email as time goes on because of one thing, SMS texting, right? That is, I think SMS texting has gotten so prevalent where if you're just talking to one person, a lot of times it's easier to send them a text, right? Same yeah. thing with using things like um, you know, anything like a Jabber or I am client, you know, people are using that more. I think email is still, for the business, a, a viable way of sending out information to a large number of people, but I also see that Slack is, is just... It, it kind of merges the, the best of SMS, SMS, SMS texting and conventional email where you're actually kind of – it's kind of like signing into a bulletin board. Right. Where you, you're not limited by, oh, I missed it or that, that, that email is now buried somewhere and I can't find it. This you can kind of search for. It's it's a little bit more flexible than email but yet not as flexible or not as simple as using just a text message. Well, and and – you can't really get spammed on Slack, right? Right. There's no, there's no junk email, right? But there's in. also no way to. So if you're a company and you're trying to send your, this is really for internal collaboration, mm-hmm. not necessarily for saying, hey, I got to go email my mom because she's not going to have Slack and you're what, not going to have the same Slack room. But what, what if she has Slack? Yeah. You could take, you could create a Slack room for your family or a Slack, a Slack site for your family, and then have. You know, what do you, what do you find on that? You could. That's. I mean, that's a. That's a large undertaking. Though. It is I mean, a large that's, undertaking. That's yeah. it's easier to send an email. I mean, as, as I said a while ago, this is this should strictly be seen as an email killer slash replacement for internal corporate environments. I right. mean, this should not be seen as the end all to communication with everyone in the world. Right. This is the same way why people are using things like SharePoint uh, to do collaboration. Mm-hmm. Again, you post things to a bulletin board. Same type of thing. Like Basecamp. Basecamp, yeah. SharePoint, yeah, these collaboration type sites, or even even things like uh, Evernote are, are building collaboration in. Yeah, because I share my Evernote notes with people. Not even that, but you can actually, if you have a, a pro account, there's there's chat and there's actual oh, really? collaboration mm-hmm. tools built in. One of the problems I've seen people uh, people that use Slack internally, like in corporations, they they say that they they hate email, and so they turn to Slack, but then they get more notifications and more more uh, more stuff coming in from Slack than they ever did from email. So and it that drives frust- them away, right. kind of. It, it frustrates them, and I, you know, I can kind of see like if you, I'm sure everyone's from, had this experience where you get into an email conversation. And it's just this back and forth, back and forth with a bunch of people where you just you just wish you could just talk to them and see. In those situations, I just use IM or I call somebody. Right. But I, I guess some people are finding Slack a better alternative to that, which is completely that's fine. There's that's always been a rule that says there's always been kind of a saying where if you have to have more than Five emails going back and forth. Hold a meeting, you know, and actually get face to face or voice to voice, and actually hold Slack. Or use Slack, but even even with Slack, though, I think it's better, you know, because you can you might. I think Slack is better, yes, than sending emails back and forth. But so another option is Spider Oak Semaphore. What? Yeah. So, so this is Phil brought this up. 
Okay, I'd never heard of spider oak before. Phil's like, how about spider oak semaphore? And I said, bless you. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, you actually go to spideroak.com, and this is a um, this is a collaboration service that is completely encrypted. Is that is that what I'm reading here? Their focus is privacy. Yeah. So I guess there's something – it basically, from every marketing type thing I've read about it, it's basically Slack but private. And I don't really know what about Slack is not private except that I guess it's not encrypted. So it must be encryption. Well, hmm. isn't Slack – I mean it uses, it uses SSL. I mean it's not like it's completely wide open where someone could sniff you, right? But it's not encrypted, say, on at rest. Sure. Is that what the thing is? Sure. Let's go with that. No, I'm serious. I mean, is that what the well, thing is? So Semaphore is an invite-only service right now, so I haven't used it. I'm not sure. And if you go on Spider Oak site, there's there's kind of not a whole lot about it, but it looks like it's going to be one of these types of services where they're trying to – where they've recognized that people want this type of thing, so they're trying to get their kind of value add in there, which is going to be privacy yeah, so, and join the fray. So this says here, it says, following the same privacy-centric design as all Spider Oak solutions – Semaphore uses zero-knowledge architecture that ensures nothing leaves a computer or mobile device until after it's encrypted and is never decrypted until it is unlocked with keys only located on the individual's device. Hmm. I don't, does that imply encryption at rest? Yeah, I'd see, I, I don't think so. I think it's just end-to-end. Which is what Slack has, right? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. So... You know, and I've I've heard actually a lot of people are anti the the Slack costs hmm. because Slack costs if you want to keep a history of of your messages, um, and a lot are actually moving to open source uh, versions of Slack. So there's things like uh, like WeChat or uh, Rocket Chat, things like that that smaller corporations are actually moving to, so that they don't have to pay for Slack. Hmm. Wow. I've only really used Slack in like a our local Baton Rouge Slack. See, so, yeah, see me too. I mean, we kind of have one here at Venue, we, but we don't. We really don't use, use it. Yeah, it was not. It's something. It's not. It, we're just doing this. We just set it up for like test, right? It's not right, something exactly. we're, we're definitely putting any data in. It was just exactly. to kind of see what the look and feel looks like. I think yeah. we used it for maybe some of our podcast. You That's know, the chat, only time right? I've ever used it. Um, even when I joined the Baton Rouge Slack, I mean, do you guys? participate it every day. I don't look at it every day and very rarely do I actually look at it. I used to, but there's so much going on that whenever I come back, I'm like I'm in the middle of a conversation. Like people mm-hmm. are like having these conversations and I'm just like I have nothing to I don't I don't know where this conversation started. I have to scroll back a few pages. Right. I'm just I, I'm kind of it, 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 <clears throat> it disincentivizes me to Right. Or de-incentivizes me you to just wish someone it. would just send you an email and get it over with, right? Yeah, just send me an email. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but would you read that? I do. I All right. I actually read all of my emails. My work email is what I meant by that. Read. If someone was all to send, <laughs> if, I, if someone exactly was to send you something that you would have read in this Slack community, that would you read that? That was my question. You know, what I'm saying so. You're you're saying that you you don't want to have to read all this because it's cumbersome. But like in the like in the local Slack community here, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, if someone sent you an email with that same information, would you actually spend the time to read it? Probably it, not. See, but that's the thing is, if it's in an email, you might have a, like a concise like, "Hey, here's here's what's going on." Whereas in the Slack, you might join in the middle of a conversation and you don't know what's going on at all. So you have to go back and find out what's going on first, and then go through the conversation and see what's already been said, so you don't say something that's already been said. Mm-hmm. You know, just it's just stuff like that. But I mean, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm not like dissonant or anything. It's, yeah. it's just 
So I think also in the Baton Rouge Slack community, you know, they, they have different rooms, like, like events. There's like, you know, job offerings. There's things inside. So it's not like you're looking to one big massive stream, right? Right. There's lots I of think, channels or I whatever think they call for, them. I think for a business that's doing it, you could take advantage of that and probably be more a little bit, a little bit more precise of your communications with people. But I agree. I just I don't I'm not using Slack as much as when I did when I first because it's not new I, anymore. It's I, like, hey. I deleted it from my phone. Did actually. you really? Yeah. I just I haven't yet deleted it from my phone. I still have it on my phone. I still have Slack installed on my computer because I do like to every once in a while go back in and just see what's going on in Baton Rouge groups. I literally go there. I'll pl- flip around for five minutes. I'm off. Hmm. So. Wow. So um, email choices. Go around the table real fast. Okay, or, so or email, email, or potential. Like if you could get into Proton Mail, would that be your? Well, Proton Mail still is email. It's just encrypted. So it's not like you still have a client. You yeah. still have a front end. What's so. your choice for server? Gmail for actual email service. I use Gmail for everything. Um, for clients, when I'm at home. I use, or for my personal email, I use AirMail for now, both on the client, on the macOS 10 side, and also for iOS. For work, Microsoft Outlook. Cool, Brian. Just one. I love Inbox. Great, perfect. (laughs) Phil? Um, I use Outlook on my phone. But lately, it's it's kind of been bugging me, so I might I might need to look at some other stuff, some hmm. other options. You can go to oh no, you can't go to Inbox on a Windows Phone, huh? I'm talking about my iPhone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I I really like Inbox. I think the only thing that would make Inbox better would be would be sort of a chat feature <laughs> somewhere in there um, that would notify you. You know, kind of like Hangouts. You know, if they just built that in. I installed Inbox while we were talking about this. Launched it, looked at it, and deleted it because there's no unified Inbox. Okay, I just so I gave it a shot. I'm like, let's close out the show. <laughs> uh, it's we, best to ignore Will sometimes. <laughs> no, this is good. Th- I mean, I like unified. I like looking at one Inbox, seeing everything, and if I need to till down into one for like getting into folders and things like that, I'll just do it. That's just me. So uh, we have an email address. It's podcast at venue dot com. You can use any of your favorite email. Platforms to reach us, even Proton, Proton Mail, even Proton Mail. Um, can't we use Slack. Can't nope. Can't use any of the any of the other email alternatives to reach us. But good old email. What if somebody wants to come by our office and just shout a question at us? Can we accept that? No, no, okay. no. Um, but you can you can leave a comment on our blog at takethenextturn.com. Um, you can find us on the iTunes Store and Stitcher Radio. Leave us a review or a rating. And in fact, we'll take a question there too. If you want to leave yeah, send us more questions. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can check us out online at www.venue.com. And we'll see everybody in two weeks.